Hey, Shelvies. Buckle up for a new episode of the Shelved Books Podcast, where every writer has a story that may never see the light of day. This is the podcast where authors share the stories that they shelved, the manuscripts that they may never publish. Then they explore the reason why they shelved this story. Welcome to the Shelved Books Podcast. Hello, everybody. Hello, Shelbies. It's another week, another episode of the Shelf Books Podcast. Oh my gosh, you can't, you won't believe who we have for you this week. I mean, if you're already watching us on YouTube, then you already know who our guest is. But if you are listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, then you don't know yet who our <laughs> guest is. And I, you know, when I asked her, to be on the podcast, I was so amazed when she said yes, and I can't believe that she is here right now. I know her from The Marriage Bargain, and when I read The Marriage, there are very few books in in your life that when you read it, you know this is like a career-making book, and it definitely was for this author. It launched her to become a New York Times, USA Today, and Wall Street Journal best-selling author of contemporary romance. I mean, pick up any book by this author and you will be sucked in by the world, by the romance, by the hot, hot guys <laughs> that she has on offer for us. Uh, she wrote her first book at the age of 12. She bound it in a folder, read it to her classmates, and hasn't stopped writing ever since. I mean, same I did the same thing. And now she has over 50 published books, which is not easy, not a feat that many writers can do. And it's The Marriage Bargain spent 26 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list. That just tells you the kind of book that it is. It's a juggernaut. And her work has been translated to over a dozen countries, sold over a million copies, and was dubbed a romance Phenom by Kirkus Reviews. Can you just imagine those two words together? Describing your book? I mean, hello. And now she holds a master's in English literature and lives in the beautiful Hudson Valley in upstate New York, which is, I'm like, just a dream because I feel like uh, part of the marriage bargain was set in, like, there, right? So I'm like, ooh, beautiful, beautiful. Everybody, welcome Jennifer Probst to the podcast. That was the sweetest introduction, Kate. Thank you. I'm sitting here blushing. I'm like, oh, I can't take Oh, so sweet. Thank you so much. I read each and every book in that series, and it's just chef's kiss. I love it. I love it. So, so good. And any of your books, actually. And it's just, it's just such an honor to have you on and and to just to, to... <laughs> oh my god I just adore you that is so I'm so happy to be here it's so much fun to just like hang out with writers and like talk about anything that comes up but I mean this subject is so much fun I've <laughs> never heard of shelved books being discussed before so I'm really excited about that Yes, and definitely because the the stories that have come up just based on a shelf book, and I think because every writer has a shelf book, uh, whether it is on the way to being published or maybe shelving it forever, never to see the light of day. And 
I think it really helps for new writers, aspiring writers, maybe mid-list writers as well, mid-career writers to know that maybe if you're holding on too tightly to that book, it's, it doesn't mean that if you shelve it, it doesn't mean that it's forever shelved. It still has, or, or that you wasted your time. It's never a waste of time. So that's something that we really have explored here on the podcast and that we continue to explore with each author that we have today. So if you can tell us a little bit more about yourself so that our, for our listeners and viewers who are meeting you for the first time. Yeah, about, a way, about the shelved books or? You, about you. About me, yes. Okay, that's what I thought. Um, <laughs> okay, so um, I have been in New York my whole life. I love the Hudson Valley. It's about an hour and a half north of Manhattan. And it's, I always say that you've got the cow and the horse farms right down the road, and then you can jump on a train and get to a Broadway play. So it's like, woo, winning. <laughs> so, um, and many times in my life, especially my teenage years and my twenties, I was like, I've got to get out of here. It's too small town for me. And I'm like, I see myself in an island. I see myself in Europe. And I'm telling you, I can write about the theme home all the time. Everything just always brought me here. And I'm just like, but I just needed my time for, for, to settle in and to realize like, I've always been home, kind of like Dorothy, I've always been home. I just have to put my heels. So, um, yeah, and it's, and it's nice. I'm settled. I have two teen boys, um, who I'd like to give a shout out to moms out there because I read a lot of mommy blogs. I started, um, before I was um, published, I was writing everything in the world and I was doing a mommy blog. That was when my two kids were like in diapers and like that was my life. That's all I could deal with was toddlers. But I read a lot of mommy blogs still and I see so much stuff with the teens. Like, and I know it's a difficult time, but I also wanna say that it doesn't necessarily have to be because mm -hmm. other than the regular normal, you know, things like, did you shower? I don't believe you, you know, like that <laughs> stuff. My boys are the loveliest people on the planet. They just this morning, I have a 17-year-old and I get up early and I cook them breakfast. And and he said, Thank you, mom. I, I so appreciate breakfast. And I was like, okay. <laughs> oh, that is so sweet. So they're very, and we we spend a lot of time together. We have fun together. And I was just like, you know, I have to write an essay for the people out there like me. Like I was like, dear Lord, when the teenage years comes, I'm going to battle down. And I've got to, you know, I was so scared that, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be like, like what you think. So yeah. I went off a little route there, but yeah. <laughs> Bravo. That's very true. So, what you just said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, just a shout out to the people not there that are terrified. Like it, it doesn't, and every stage like just is this beautiful thing, um, this beautiful energy. And I kind of always like akin it to writing to like, it's different, you know, you parent different, each book is different. You have a gift book, you have the awful, you know, toddler book, you have like the, the teenage snarky book that like, so <laughs> it's just kind of fun. I use my parenting role as a mom sometimes to just like kind of sink into to the writing. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I'm just like, you know, just like everybody else is just shows up and, you know, my writing is my everyday job now. And it's just, um, it's not that glamorous. And a lot of times it's not fun. And sometimes it is fun. Um, but I think the hardest thing nowadays for me is juggling all the different, um, 
roles. It's not like when I first started out, there was just like you wrote, you sent it to an editor, you did nothing else. There was no internet. There was no, you know, getting a hold of people. And now we're, we're really CEOs, we're writers, but we have to really, even if you're traditionally published, you have to know your own stuff. You have to know how to run a business, um, how to have people under you, how to market properly, how to budget everything. You have, you know, your writing and then you have your copy editing and your, so you always have like a book going on sale that you've got to like handle. And you've got a book that I'm trying to wrangle in so I don't hate it. And then you have another book that's like right now is in copy edits for me. So I don't know. It's just like a, it's a new, um, there's a lot more opportunity, but I also think that there's a lot more education that we need and um, learning curves. Our learning curves is different. It's not just being the best writer, but it's also being a, the best business person that you can be. And I think that intimidates a lot of, a lot of authors as it, as it should be. But I also think it's all learnable because with the internet comes this fountain of resources that we didn't have before. I remember going like on a Saturday to the library to look up Writer's Digest, like <laughs> where do I send my books? You know, I'm so old. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was telling my son the other day, he said something about college apps and it's all through email. And I just started cracking up and I was like, you don't know how easy this is for you now. I said, mom would write like a 400 page book and I'd have to go to the local copy place and oh copy God. and spend all of my allowance, like doing it and then look it up like long-term. So yeah, but it's, it's, it's fun. So, um, going through all those phases, I think in my career has made it really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think because as writers, we are introverted. A lot of us are very introverted. So it's so difficult to think of, oh, now I have to step into CEO role. Now I have to step into marketing role. And there are those that do it. It comes naturally, seems easy. And then there are those who are like terrified beyond belief on like the writing they can do, but the, the rest of it is like, what do I do now? Fish? Yes. With all the social, the new social media that's coming out and, mm -hmm. you know, everybody's realizing like, I just saw this tweet on Twitter, like, I have to do book talks now? What are book talks? <laughs> I've never heard of book talks. Oh my goodness. So, so it's, kind of, it's kind of that. And I think it's almost like you have to evolve and learn and always moving with the tide or else you cannot just be, you know, I, I wish we could all be uh, the superstar authors that you know they could just concentrate on the writing and then the publicist will handle everything and the publishers and the assistants and everything and they're just there writing the books and um but no we are not that we have to like like you said we have to balance and it's such a great you are such a great example of balancing everything and still putting out great books to read great content to read and which is why we are so excited to hear about your shell book that you're going to share with us today. Yes. Um, I actually have three of them. And what's so, what I love about this is they all are different. And I think that they can all, I know you guys are going to relate to like all of them. So the first one is what every, I think every author should have, should always have is the book under the bed, right? <laughs> <laughs> is 
I always say the greatest books because they were learning books mm -hmm. and these books were not supposed to be learning books. When I wrote them, they were meant to see the world, to be published, to be published. This is going back in the day, like for Harlequin, like that was <laughs> the only big game in town, like for romance, really, unless you wanted to go, you know, really big mainstream. And so um, when I ended up writing these books and they did their, um, they did their uh, little stint at um, on an editor's desk, and then they would wait for like six months, and then they'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, I do want to see a full one, and then they'd wait another six months, and then I'd get a rejection. But what was interesting is there was um, four of them, and three of them, one, I ended up publishing myself, like, you know, attacked it, and then the other two, um, I kind of morphed into... Uh, years later, I kind of like updated it. And again, I kind of indie published them like myself, but there's one sitting here, one left and it was called, <laughs> and it was called unbreak my heart. And it was, my hero was an archeologist, which I was obsessed with archeology. span I wanted to be like the female Indiana Jones. So <laughs> back in college, they had this course. And I remember telling my, you know, parents, I'm like, I'm gonna be an archeologist. Like I was always gonna be a writer. Writer was just, that was every day for the rest of my life. I knew the day I died, I was gonna write. But I was like, I have to pay my bills somehow. So I'm gonna, I was like, I'm gonna be this archeologist. And my parents were like, okay, you know, so <laughs> in, in college and I was, like, and I was ready to sign up for the summer expedition where they take you up to like the Shawshank mountains and all summer you dig like on the mountain. I was like, I'm going to dig and I'm going to, this is going to be this great life for me. I'm going to wear really cool hats. <laughs> and I took this course and I was bored out of my freaking mind. Oh, no. like, I wanted to die. Like every day I came excited. And at the end I was like, this course really sucks. Like I'm talking carbon dating and math and and I realized that I don't get excited over finding a little fork from like histories, you know, earlier, <laughs> like it just, I guess it just didn't do it for me. And so it'd be right before, like I paid all this money for like this expedition. I came to my parents. I was like, I'm not going to be an archeologist. Oh, <laughs> I'm, no. I'm not going to go down this route, whatever. Then I you know, went into another one. But what was funny is that in my, my heroine was this professor at a college who taught this course called the history of love. And so I researched all of these couples um, and history of love, like through the ages. And I created this like dummy course for me, for her to teach. And like that went into the book. And then his sister runs an escort service and she, she goes into the escort service, my heroine, because her parent, like trophy, right? Like her parents are like, why don't you have a, a guy? You haven't had a guy in, you know, forever. So she's like, I've got to get my family off my back. So she goes into this escort service and he's behind the counter watching the, the company for his sister. And he like gets hot for her right away. So he decides that he's going to be her escort, even though he's this <laughs> archeology span teacher that wait for it starts that next fall at her college, of course. <laughs> Love it. Yes. Oh my God. Well, you know, and they go to this wedding and everything. It's full of tropes and it's just like it's laden with like a lot of fun. And the thing is, you can see uh when you read it, it's like young writing. And you guys probably know that. It's mm -hmm. so raw and passionate on the page. It's so 
raw is the only word that I can do. Like, and I, I would flip through it and be like, Oh, oh, that's so <laughs> oh, I use that term like a billion times and it's so, you know, like cliche-ish or whatever. But the heart of the book is so much fun because again, like that's what you're doing with your learning books. That's what I was doing. I was learning my craft, learning my craft. So by the time that had done its rounds and got nowhere, that just got stuck in the, in the, you know, in the file. And then I moved on. And then a couple of years, you know, years later, it was, uh, you know, the marriage bargain that like just took off. And then I never really looked at it, but a couple of times I will, I'll take it out and I go, can I resurrect it? Can I, there's so much stuff there, but I, it's one of those things that I think may just need to stay under the bed. I don't know. But then I have to tell you guys this on an offshoot too. I was at this party and a bunch of authors were drinking and we were all talking about the books under the bed and we were drinking heavily and we all decided, thank goodness we didn't go with it the next morning. I think we all forgot about it, but it came back to me. We all decided that we were going to do, uh, the four of us were going to get together and take that one book under the bed and term the series, the books under the bed. Bed. We're all and we're going to put the books under the bed and we we're going to be the raw unvarnished you know what I mean and we were going to sell indie publish these books with our names on it and be like with backstories about and here you go what do you think and just kind of let it out there and I was like this is the best ideas we're drinking we're all going to do it tomorrow you know <laughs> and it just I don't know I never really talked to them again it was like done <laughs> Everybody woke up the next morning going, no, no, no. <laughs> I will kill my career, Jen. Kill my career. So that was, yes. So that was one of them. Should I tell you the other two and then we'll discuss? Or yes, you please. Just, okay. oh, wait, wait, wait. First, oh, yes, first, wait. Yes. The first one, the one that's under the bed. Like, did you, yeah. like, did you, did you query it? Did you, how did yes. you, Harlequin. Did? Okay. it went to Harlequin. Harlequin's oh, still wow. around. I queried it. I did not get, and I wrote a great query letter. Usually my query letters we'd get like in the thing, but no, it was just, um, it did its rounds and the rejection letters were my usual, you know, like close, but no hit like, Oh, because of this or because of that, like they always had something, you know? So it just kind of, but then I was trained See, my training was well done because of the time it took for an editor to look at a book. I was taught by the best that when you have something in the thing, you better be working on, there was no downtime. My downtime was, okay, that goes in the, the bucket. And what's the next thing? Let me maybe take a week off or whatever. And then boom, I was writing the second book. Wow. So I think that's helped me kind of train my muse to, no, we don't sit around and wait. We go to the next thing or whatever. That's fantastic. Um, yeah. That's very important because mm -hmm. a lot of writers, especially the newer ones, they think they only have like one book in them or like they get stuck on that one book because mm -hmm. they're, of course, it's no joke to be working. You're giving months and months of your yes. time and your life to, and your attention. Maybe nothing. Yes. Yeah. And it may be nothing. And sometimes yes. it's so difficult to let that go. So, how did you what how did you come to that point where you're like no this is a book that i need to really put under the bed i i go the whole road like i go to all the agents i went to all the new york publishers i went to harlequin i went to like anything that could possibly be there i thought about revising it so as i as 
as that's out and I'm getting rejections, I'm going, what else can I do? But my whole thing was keep getting it out there. As long as I had a query or something out there for the book, I had hope. I mm -hmm. ran on hope. Hope was always, I'll wake up and win the lottery. Hope was my book <laughs> will explode one day. Hope was an agent will take me on. That just kept driving me forward. As long as I was had one project out and I was working on a project, that meant I never, I always had hope. There was something that could always happen. And so that drove me forward for like 35 years before I actually like published something like that went, you know, it just kept going. And then, so the question for that was when all of the alternate routes were all done and I felt like there was nothing else that I can do, I made the decision to put it to the side because it was time to pour my whole heart and soul into the next project yes. and getting that sold or whatever. So it's almost, it's a gut thing too. It's a gut thing. Sometimes you've got to know that a book has to sit, a book has to needs time to like ripen. It's not the right timing for the book. I always say we're so smart in our head, but our gut knows everything. And if you really go inside and listen, you may not like the answer, but if you listen, it's for a reason. I truly believe that. Yes. That's brilliant what you did though. Like, I mean, to always have hope like that, to be writing something while you're querying, to always have a project going on brilliant and it's not something that comes naturally I feel because once you're querying you tend to like concentrate just on that you know and like I know that the the you know trying to see what your emails are like or you know like stuff like that so to concentrate on another book is fantastic yes and also yes. you get stuck sometimes yeah. with the revising too and the re-editing yeah. and you know or you get some feedback where someone tells you oh maybe if you do this or make it yes. first person make it second person you know yes and that <sighs> went through critique groups and i did i revised or this scene is not and that's another gut thing it's like you can revise the book to death until it has no voice left you can revise the book until you know, but you just, you just kind of felt like when you get to a point where you feel like you've done everything possible for that book, it's time to step back from the book and give it space. And it will probably always stay under the bed, but the stuff that I learned from that book, that, that came with me through all of the things. So it's just, it's a learning book. I think we also have to be okay with like, you know, we'll publish a book and it'll freaking tank. I've published a book that like have sold 30 things. I know it's every friend I've ever like talked to and all of my relatives, <laughs> but it's like, I learned it and I, I wrote a book, mm -hmm. like, I don't know, you got to yeah. put it in that tank because I don't want to be a one hit wonder. Like I'm looking like to like die in my rocking chair with my last <laughs> book about like, that's what I want, you know? So I think you got to get the focus off of like that and put the mm -hmm. focus on the road ahead. Like you're driving ahead and try to see it. Yeah. Awesome. And That's I had good. a, I had a light bulb moment when the moment you said you can revise it until there's no voice left. I think yeah. it's very important for everybody to remember and to learn and to take note of yes. because we can, as writers, we can definitely go there. We can lose the spark that began the writing process in the first place, just through revising it to the point where, cause you're listening to everybody's feedback mm -hmm. and then you're revising it and you're and then when you read it, it's not the book that you originally, you know, sometimes you're not happy with it anymore because it's, it's just lost its voice. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that can be very dangerous and, you know, can lead to 
doubting yourself and am I really is this really something I really want to do and that can be crushing to yeah. especially newbie writers and writers that are who really really want to make this their career as well so it's kind especially of especially yes, yeah I mean, especially when you feel when you're getting that feedback from someone who you respect you know, or you know, you think, oh, they know more than I do. They surely have best, you know, you know, they know what I should do. And then, you know, you find out that it's just not your book anymore. It's not, yes. it's not the thing that made it what you love. And yes. And sometimes, right, the rawest form of book, like we can take it apart and say, oh, well, it could have been edited better or this could have been better. But like sometimes the voice is so vibrant and the plot and the characters, it's more raw. But what readers can flock to it because yeah. they see something in it and it's that yeah. voice. It's that, you know, so it's hard guys, isn't it? It's like mm -hmm. all of these decisions all the time. It's not just let me, you know, pour my blood and guts on the page. <laughs> like, like, oh my God. But no, we're never bored. Never. It's different. And it should be, I mean, you should be entertained, right? Like yeah. you're not entertained by your characters and you're doing something wrong. Right? Yes, we're such drama queens. And such right. a good guy, right? <laughs> <laughs> Even my boys, my boys know like right now they're going through hell on earth because I'm going through hell on earth. But like I'll go in the kitchen and they'll gather around and I'll be like, that's it, it's over. And my husband will go, we're selling the house. Is this for sale sign going out? I was like, yes, because there's nothing left. You know, it's just so funny. Like the drama in this house is insane. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the artist life. <laughs> I know, right? I can't take it anymore. Yeah. You know, which is why we should always be thankful for those who support us who live around us and support us and yes. through the roller coaster of emotions that is yes. the writing process. <laughs> yes, so true. Yeah, so totally speaking true. of which, what is your second book? Okay. Book? So yeah, so the second one is completely different. The second one was um that started back in 2013. So what are we in 2022? Um so what happened is my mom was turning 70. And um, I come from an Italian family. I've, I had been to Italy like twice before. Um, but my mom, her dream was to go to Italy and go to where her grandparents were born. And my niece was 15 at the time and she was taking Italian. And my godmother had wanted to go to Italy. So we decided that for my mom's 70th birthday, the four of us would get together, just the women, and go to Italy for 15 days for a tour. Nice. So we left everybody home, the kids home, the husband's home. And it was three generations of women that like oh. basically toured entire Italy. And we spent my mom's birthday, her 70th birthday, like in Tuscany, like on this vineyard and farm when this family oh. was giving us like huge rays of like platters of food and wine. And there was music and we danced. And I oh. was like, you know, my mom, we sang happy birthday and it was just like a dream come true for her. So as we were touring, there were so many things happening, stories and, and things that I would uncover, like learned about my mom, my godmother, like things that you don't know in the role. And every night I was like, my mind was blown. I was like, I have to write this book about these three generations of women who come together and travel Italy and they heal themselves. We were okay. We didn't have to heal, but I was like, you know, in the book, like they could be fragmented. So I wrote like 
every single night, my notebook and I got home and I was like a fountain. I just wrote like the entire outline of this book. I knew exactly what was going to happen in this book. And I was so excited. And I was like, okay, like now what am I going to do? And I kind of pitched it like to my agent, but like I was on romance deadlines. I had contracts all over the place. Like my writing was taken care of. And so I was like, you know, it was also a women's fiction book. And I wrote, you know, straight romance at that time. And I knew that it was a book that was going to take a lot of chops. So I put it in the drawer and every year or two, I would take it out and I would say, is this the time? Should I publish it on my own? Should I try to get it published like through a traditional publisher? Should I bring this to my agent? And every year I would take it out and like every year it just wasn't time. And I felt like during that time, I was also growing as a writer and I was getting my chops and I was learning my craft. I felt like that was like such a big project to chew on. Like, I was like, I don't even know if I can do this, you know, like three POVs and through Italy, like it just felt like my dream book. So finally, what happened is, was interesting. Simon and Schuster dropped me from contract and said, we're not doing romances anymore. And I was unemployed and I was like, what the hell am I going to do now? <laughs> oh my gosh. Around and I had to rebuild. And I told my agent, I want to go to Montlake. If Montlake will take me, I see like something going on there. And then I said to her, um, she's like, everybody's looking for women's fiction. Romance is dead. This is what she said. Romance is dead. Nobody's doing romance in the traditional publishers. This was a while ago, guys. And, um, they're like, write a women's fiction book. And so I go, you know, I have one of those. <laughs> and I sent it to my agent. My agent is like, this is freaking fantastic. She says, but there's one caveat. You have to write the whole book before they'll even look at you. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. I said, if I write the whole book, this is, this is like a six monther. I said, if I want to do it right. I said, I can't afford it. I said, now I have like this lifestyle. I'm not like, you know, in an apartment with my girlfriend anymore. I have two kids. I said, I need to do it. I said, forget it. I said, I want you. So I signed with Montlake, got my three book contract with Montlake, started, I indie published a couple of things, income started back in. I was okay. And then I was like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to write the first three chapters and you're going to take it on proposal because with all of this stuff, I'm not a new writer. I don't need to, they know what I'm writing. They're going to want to take a shot with me or not. And when I was shopping the marriage bargain, I had, I had these big conferences with all these traditional publishers and there was an auction for it. So I already knew some editors and they kind of knew me. I wasn't like a new kid on the block, if that makes sense. So I was like, that's it. And if not, guess what? It's going back in the drawer and I'll decide another time. So a lot of people, they hovered around some bit, but some came back and said, please we'll buy it, but you got to write the whole book. I said, no. And sure enough, Berkeley came and we had a very long discussion with the editor who had wanted to buy the marriage bargain from me all those years back. Oh, wow. And, um, she said, well, I'd like to change this, this, and this, and how, like, how do you feel about that? And I said, I'm on board with that. Like I'm <laughs> totally flexible. That doesn't change the story. One person wanted me to change it to a beach book. She said, I don't want it in Italy. It's got to be at a beach, like in Cape Cod. And I'm like, there's 3000 books out there every summer on Cape Cod beach. I was yeah. like, no. <laughs> so she said, okay, then I'm not buying it. I was like, bye. <laughs> so again, I felt like, okay. And Berkeley was like, I get the vision. I love this. We're in, bought the book and the book, um, it's our Italian summer and it did <gasps> phenomenal. 
did phenomenal. And then they bought another one from me, um, which came out, The Secret Love Letters of Olivia Moretti, another Italy book. And I'm working on the third book with Berkeley, another Italy book in Lake Como, because they want to brand me. There's so many beach books and summer stuff. They want to kind of brand me the, the Italy author. I'm like, that's fine. I'll always <laughs> <never> work. <laughs> so that shelved book, if you think about it, that's another thing. A, I don't think I was up for the task. Um, it was a bigger book. And I think I would have taken it on and been like too intimidated back in, you know, back in 2013, 14. But like I wrote it in 2018. So it was, it needed those that time to like ripen and then come out. And it was fantastic. I felt like I had the chops for it and then I could move on. I love that story. That's great. And I think yeah. that's very important because you're seeing that each book that you write is not a waste of time. It's a learning experience. And that definitely, even if you feel like you don't have the chops for it right now, but still go for it. Yeah. Shelve it for a while. Write other things, get better, and yes. then come back. It's yes. Yes. I love. I just. We we always have stuff. Everybody has like little little things or the big book. Everybody that was the big book, and then it was so wild when that was over. They were like, "Okay, do it again." I was like, "I don't know if I can." <laughs> I just in my dreams, I was like, "Well, the." Big book is going to go. And when I say big book, I don't mean bestseller and a target read. I mean, like that big craft book that you're so proud of that you look at. I still look at it and I go, damn, how did I do that? I'm so proud of it. Yes. And that it was really for me, you know? Um, but then after that, like it just stopped. Then I was like done, I guess. And then I was like, I'm not done yet. <laughs> you know? So, and then it was scary to do it again. And then, so it's just, man, there's so many curves in the road. You're never at, at the final, there's always just like another curve, good and bad. You don't know what's around the corner. Mm -hmm. so, but also yeah. like, I love that story too, because it shows your um, business chops, you know, like, no, I'm not going to write this book. I'm mm -hmm. going to give you two chapters and you decide if you like it or not, because imagine if you had spent six months and then they say like, oh no, you're going to need to revise for, you know, like good for you for standing up for your own, you know. Yeah. Sometimes you have to take a risk like that thing. You have to know your value and mm -hmm. what you can do. And you've got to yeah. look at like the setting, like, yeah, if you're brand new, maybe, and they didn't know I, I didn't have a social media presence. If there is a lot, then yes. But I was just like, no, if they're going to, I am not going to spend six months writing a book, uh, yeah. you know, at this stage in my career. So yeah. sometimes you just have to kind of you know, like go to bat for yourself and mm -hmm. just like stay because it's so intimidating. We're always, I feel like writers are always chasing like approval, like, please love yeah. me, please publish me. Like my whole life, it's yeah. like, please like me, please, you know, <laughs> it's hard sometimes to just stand up for yourself and say, I'm not going to do it. And mm -hmm. a woman sometimes in a room full of men or whatever, yeah. it can be even more intimidating, you know, so yeah. good for you. I'm yeah. bravo. Thank you. And you mm -hmm. could have definitely... You could have definitely gone the route of okay i'll make it a cape cod book so that it works yes. you know yes. instead you stuck to your guns and you said no there are many other books like that yep. my book is unique and different and i'm going to find someone who sees that vision i think that's very yes. important whether yes. it is an agent or a publisher whoever you need to be able to find someone who sees who sees you eye to eye with the vision because yes. that's what's going to get the book through. And I think that's what's going to resonate with readers. 
yes. keeping that, you know, that you're, because you can definitely see a book. We have definitely read books out there that you're like, mm, nobody met eye to eye here, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and, and, and unfortunately, it's the author who gets the brunt of the criticism because it's the author's name on yeah. the cover. They never criticize the, they, they hardly criticize the publisher or they don't even know the editor. So it's nobody else gets blamed mm-hmm. but yeah. the author. And I think that it's so beautiful of you to teach us that lesson of standing up for yourself and knowing your worth. And especially mm-hmm. if you've already built a platform yeah. for yourself, then you can definitely say, hey, this is the book I want to write. Yeah. And I'm going to find someone who is willing to see me halfway in yeah. this process because it's a difficult process yeah so well said kate yeah so well said so like moving on to your third shelf book <laughs> <laughs> i feel I like we're spoiled today i know we are right when I, when I heard the theme i was like i got three <laughs> that is awesome so the third one is interesting because i'm still sitting on it so the third one came i'm gonna say a good three it's been about three, four years. No, I'm going to say four years ago. Um, I got done with a series of the billionaire builders. It was inspired by HGTV. And um, it was a fun series to write because I just wrote my own property brothers and added one and just like <laughs> lived in this world of HGTV. And I was like, because I'm a big one also of like, write what you love, like what you watch, what you, you know, spin off of that, because then you're not bored writing it. It's exciting, that kind of stuff. So people want to read too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Everybody watches like, you know, flipping the house and the renovation. So that went, that went really well. And that, but um, after that, that was when um, romance stopped. Like, I don't know if it was like a year or two, because then it came back because now we're in such a fabulous you know, fountain of new authors and the great illustrated covers and debuts. And we're in a really high time. But during that time, after that came out, all of them came out and were like, we don't want any romance anymore. All we want is women's fiction. And they tried to get all the romance authors to either write women's fiction or they turned indie. It was like, it was like a year or two of just like, what the hell? And that's when I had gone over to Montlake because they were doing very well with their Montlake romance. And I was still on there. So this is when I composed, I was like, what I want to do is this three book series based off the Food Network. I'm based off just like I did with HGTV. And the first one is based off the worst cooks in America, where they take the worst <laughs> cooks and they try to train them and they have this contest. So I come up with this like great concept and I write out this outline and I love it. And this time I actually write um this was what I was pitching to Montlake to get the three book series. They wanted a brand new one. I was like, this is going to be great. Like you can pull from the TV. It does so well. I was passionate about it. It was three foster kids that were like, grew up together. And this one family, Italian restaurant, of course, all the things <laughs> I love, like everything. So they came back and they were like, Jen, great idea, but nothing in TV sells, nothing. Um, yeah, again, like that's what you, when you're not indie publishing, you're always bumping against the, the, you know, like this doesn't sell, that doesn't sell. So they said they wanted nothing to do with TV. So I was like, oh my God, like I need to work with Montlake right now. Like I needed that steady income I needed. So I pivoted, put it in the drawer 
and um, wrote the, um, the concept of the stay series, which took place in the Hudson Valley in my home. I was horseback riding at the time. And so I always wanted to write about a horse rescue farm and a BNB. So I was like, no problem. I'm going to pivot. And I'm going to do that. And I was like, okay, so this will season. And this is going to be my next one. Maybe Montlake doesn't want it. Mm-hmm. So a few times I like took it out and I kind of pitched it a little bit and everybody was like, no, you know, there's something about TV. And I was like, why is everybody so afraid of TV? I guess this isn't a a thing. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to indie publish this. This is perfect. I need a three book contemporary series that I can play with on my own. And then what happened is Montlake became so successful and Berkeley bought my women's fiction. And I got a few of my self pub stuff back that every, like, I was so busy. I was writing, writing nonfiction, write naked, write true. It was like, I didn't have time to breathe. It was project after project. So this has been sitting in my drawer. And now I find myself at this strange place where I'm kind of like at the end of another contract, finishing up another contract, not sure where I'm going to do. And it's sitting there calling my name, but it's an investment. I have to take it out and I have to kind of do it on my own. And that's going to take a couple of months to get myself up and running. So I'm really like, do I do this now? Is it the time? Do I take it on? How much of it do you have written, Jennifer? I only have about four chapters written of the first book, you know, so it's like a chunk of it. I know kind of like where it's going. Um, it shouldn't be that crazy to write, but I, I also think that I should be kind of like into the second book at that time. Mm -hmm. I feel like this is something that I should have like half of the second book written before I put up the first, um, it's kind of new to me. I haven't really done an indie published series that I have to look at like as a traditional publisher. So it's exciting Mm -hmm. because it's different. Um, kind of be like stepping into my own and like stepping into that world hardcore rather than to supplement as I've been doing. So guys, I'm telling you, you, you never, you never know where you're going to go. Like there's so many different routes. So that's where I'm at right now. Well, Well, I can tell you that educate and I think that it's our job, like literally our job to get shelved books published so we are all in with you that this book you should finish writing it you should print it you should everything we will be the first ones in line to buy it i love you guys i love you guys especially since i can you i mean you're so passionate about it and just just, that in your voice like you're excited about it you want to do it it's like so i mean not that i mean everybody writes chefs and i'm not but it's so, um, I don't know. I just have a vision for it like that nobody really sees. And I do, I feel like I need to do it myself. And I'm thinking um, that this could be the time in between projects when I when I can really, I think what the thing is, I gotta dig in really hard. You know how it is. Like I have to dig in and do a hell of a lot of writing um, and make my winter instead of, winter is usually my, okay, cultivate the next one. I've gotta have to make, winter like my go-to time pivot get my head in the game in a different way you know what I mean mm-hmm. get in the zone yes yes yeah yeah, yeah. oh that it's- sounds so good though yeah. <laughs> I would be posting for these books I, and you know it this is the first time I think ladies you I think you will agree with me I think we this is the first time we've encountered a shelf book that is sort of in process Mm-hmm. Yeah, not necessarily a shelf book where it was done and everything has been tried and completed and it's just sitting there. This is the 
shelf book in the idea phase. In yeah. the it's the hope. Yes. Yes. And yes. we are and definitely seeing Jennifer your passion for it. We are already captivated by yeah. the shelf book that we can really wait. Uh-huh. Well, because it's like it's you know, when you feel like that, then you know that it's yes. gonna be good. Like, I mean, you know, I keep going like, back to it and I'm like I can't, and I play with it like over my off time, you know, when you're really into a project that you're like, okay, I guess nobody really wants it. And I kept saying, but I could do it. I can do it. But it's yeah. about the, it's about the, okay, like I, it's just going to be, have to be extra. I, I'm not treating it as extra, but it's like going to be extra in my schedule. So I've got to like get that, you know what guys, the term is the hunger yes. and I'm losing it that old fashioned mm -hmm. hunger where I would spend hours with no money and like, it doesn't matter. Like, mm -hmm. so I feel like if I can maybe like dive in, I may even rediscover some of myself because sometimes you go from contracts to contracts. And I mean, I love the stuff that I'm writing to get me wrong, but it's always, you know, polished and kind of, okay, we need this, no change this to get into the market. And this would just be like me showing up to write what I want. Yeah, I like you it. Creative, you have. Yeah, I don't even know with everything. <laughs> yeah, whatever you want with it. Yeah, nobody's you know, gonna just... say, you know, oh no, make him like less edgy for me too, or make this, or like I've got, you know, and it's constant. Yeah. And I again, it's like the artist and the business person. I know when to push back and when, you know, but like this would just be like all in. Mm -hmm. So, oh, yeah. is this <laughs> time? Do fun. I do it? I'm giving you guys credit that you're pushing me <laughs> over that cliff. <laughs> Yay. Oh, we'll definitely buy it. I love your work. So you know, when you when you started talking about this project, like you totally lit up and you were so that's excited it. about it that that's yeah. a sign. Yeah. To me, that's a sign. Yes. That's a sign. Yeah. And winter is such a great time to write a food book, I think. Because yeah. you're Hudson you're Valley too. surrounded by eating, yeah. you're surrounded by a lot of the because the season, it's such a, yes. a, a, it can be stressful, but it's also a positive time. So it's kind of that you, you can feed into that energy and then blast it onto yes. these books. And we definitely, we would love these books. I, I can already, I can We're already I, excited about it. I can <laughs> get covers already. And it's just, you know, um, Okay, so you need to promise me though, guys, that we can get on a message together and that I'll be like, okay, I'm starting it. You'd be like, Jen, you need to write this book. I, I need a little. A hundred percent. You will get all book. of that. <laughs> <laughs> right? so awesome. Sign me up. Cheerleaders. There's too many, much negativity sometimes, you know, where you start feeling so negative. I, I know I do about my writing and I have these three, two ladies to like keep me going. And so nice. it does, it helps in order to have someone to say, you know, you know what you want, you know, you yes. have this vision and you can yes. do it. You just, just do it. it. Yes. This is, this is also one of the reasons why we are doing this podcast because it's to really spread that positivity. And because sometimes writing can really be quite soul sucking sometimes and we forget the joy of the creativity yes. because of the many things that can come into play imposter syndrome that uh, social media whatever's going on in the world life can get in the way and at least 
once a week we put out episodes like this where it's you know we have authors on and we are also um learning a lot as writers so these episodes coming out and we are hoping that every writer who listens to these episodes will be able to also catch that energy and say hey i want to do something mm-hmm. i want to be yes. able to do this i have this idea and i you know and she yeah. can do it i can do it too and that's, yeah. that's why and that's why we are so glad that you are here with us because mm-hmm. that kind of energy when you release that into the world mm-hmm. it really bring back positivity and- i know i feel oh, yeah. like i'm like so happy right now i'm just so happy know, for you yeah. like seriously i am because finding a project that you want to do and love that is so magnificent that feeling is like yeah it's hard and it's been in there for like a while and I keep like going back to it you're right it's it's rare that I have something the last time I had that was our Italian summer that I kept and it was like this buzzy feeling like I was like one day one day we're not you know it's just so I think that one day is coming I'm at this this kind of crossroads and I think it's time and I really I think you're right. And I think also writing off of it's for me. And I don't, I actually don't need a deadline for this. I need to kind of play. I need to kind of like rediscover some of that young writer that I was, you know, and it's been so long. Yeah. You're giving me shivers. I know, right? That sounds awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Because it is, I mean, you could do with whatever you want with it because you're not on a contract and you don't have a deadline. You can make and take as long as you need to in order to make it what you want and yeah we just love those characters and yeah I think it's, it's the perfect time it's your you can call these your recharge books yeah. <laughs> yes that sounds perfect yeah, the stories <laughs> that will allow you to recharge that creative well yes. that you know you you are doing definitely for yourself it's not for a contract it's not yes. for you it's not even for your readers although we already have three who are I mean, we are kind of biased in that way, you know. When I message you on the pre-order, it'll be like one, two, three pre-orders. That's exactly right. You just send us that it's on pre-order. It's like boom, boom, boom. Oh, guys, thank you so much. Like, honestly, I really haven't, that hasn't really come out like how I explained it to you. So it was, it was so nice. I, I feel like this was a good time for me to, to talk about it and, um, and be encouraged. I really appreciate it. And speaking of jobs, I will now segue into Christy, who will yes. be giving us our speed round questions. Christy, take it away. Yes. Thank you. So it's nothing like nothing hard, super simple, whatever. Yeah comes to the top of your head. So the first question is, if you could go in a time machine, would you go to the past or to the future? I think I go to the past. Good answer. What is your favorite drink on a cold day? Coffee, just coffee Mm -hmm. with a little bit of cinnamon and creamer and just like very simple, but it like makes me so happy. Maybe a little pumpkin spice there though, Christy, maybe a little. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a good idea right now for sure. (laughs) Is the glass half full or half empty? Oh, it's always half full. Always. Oh, good for you. Yes, you that personality (laughs) bubbles out of you for sure. (laughs) Who this one might be a little harder, but who is your favorite villain? Um, Scar from the Lion King. 
<gasps> he's complex. I he agree is, with that. He is fantastic. Good. My son literally just had scar socks on today. And I go, you're wearing your scar <laughs> today, baby. Yeah, he's a cool villain. Excellent. And um, if you were asked to move to Mars to a Mars colony today, would you do it? No. <laughs> I'm really happy here with my feet on the ground and not no. I'll read about it, but I uh, no, not that not that adventurous, I guess. <laughs> and that's okay. What is your favorite ice cream flavor? Um, my favorite, oh, that's such a good question. Um, I'm gonna say cookies and cream. <gasps> Yeah, that's a good answer. Oreos in there. Oh, there's something mm. about the crunch and the sweetness. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm good with that too. <laughs> the next one is, do you consider yourself an organized person or do you crave the chaos? No, I'm chaotic. I'm chaotic. I'm flowy. My husband's military. So he's like dinner at 530. We're going to do this. And when he leaves me with the kids, they're like, ma, are we eating? I was like, it's 730. What's happening? Like, we're just <laughs> in my desk, guys, my desk, if you saw it, my husband comes in and says, you cannot be a best-selling author. There is no <laughs> way that you can have that title. Like I live in the mess. So that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Um, number eight, do you prefer sunsets or sunrises? Oh no, sunsets. I hate the morning. I like to sleep in and miss the sunset and get a glass of wine on the beach and watch the sunset. That would be fantastic. Mm -hmm. Oh yes, that sounds fantastic. Absolutely. (laughs) If you could, would you want to live forever? No. Nope. Nope. It's it's such a, 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 I love asking that question because you, like, you get those two spectrums that are complete and one of them is nope and the other one is yes, of course. Nobody <laughs> asked that question. That is a fantastic question that could like you could dive in and know a person just from that question. Yeah. But yeah, that was interesting and that came out right away. Like there was no. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And the last question, which is always the hardest, most, you know, you have to think yeah. about it for such a long time is. What reality TV show would you agree to go on? The Great British Bake Off, American Ninja Warriors, or Survivor? <laughs> oh, um, well, I would never go on Bake Off. I can't bake for anything. Um, an American Ninja Warrior, that is a jokester. I would do Survivor. And I'm telling you guys, I could get far on my social game. Yes. And everybody would be like, oh my God, Jen's so nice, but she's kind of, let's just take her. Let's just take her and we'll like get the million dollars. Like I tell my husband all the time, I'm like, you don't understand. I'd be that underdog that like doesn't get the firewood and sleeps a lot, but everybody would love me. I would get there. (laughs) I love it. Thank you so much for answering those. That was so fun. Dear listener, uh, dear viewer, if you have answers to the questions that Crispy has asked today, please make sure to put them in the comment down below. <laughs> do you have similar answers to Jennifer or do you have different answers? We are so curious to find out. And at the same time, if you have your own shelf book story, we would love to hear from you. Please write us at shelfbookspodcast at gmail.com and we would love to read your shelf books. Uh, story on the podcast. So make sure it's shellfolkspodcast at gmail.com. Jen, thank you so much for being with us today. What a wonderful episode. We are so blessed to have you and to imbibe that energy that's coming all the way from New York. 
and we are so you know we are we, we are just happy where can our viewers and listeners find you and what do you have cooking next Oh, um, you can always go. I always say go straight to my website. I love my website. There's videos and it's fun and there's a lot of stuff going on and it's happy. So it's just jenniferpropes.com and I'm everywhere. I'm now on TikTok, I'm on Instagram, <laughs> I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter. But the most important thing for anybody is I answer all of my email. You, nice. you email me, you Twitter message me, you IG message me, you Facebook message me. I'm the one getting it. I'm the one that answers and everyone is important. So that's, that's really important for everybody to know. And um, guys, I've had the best time. Aww. I love this podcast Aww. so much. So happy you invited me on and that, and we got to chat with each other. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. So yeah. much fun. Just so we much fun. are, we have so much to look forward from you and what, what is, do you have anything coming out next? Well, yes. Um, so my, um, so I've got uh, the twist of fate series, which is, it's a fun series. It's literally about if you're trucking along and all of a sudden an event or a person upends your life, like where that twist of fate then takes you, I kind of follow it through. And it's with three female billionaires that run like a self-care empire, because I love the idea of female billionaires for a change. Like it was so much fun to do that. So the, um, the second book, So It Goes, just came out two weeks ago. And the third one is Save the Best for Last. And that comes out February. Yay. Nice. I'm reading it right now. It's so good. I'm reading um, the, the meant to be. It is. So oh yes, the first one. Thank yeah, you. Because no, like just the the way they got together just reminds yeah. uh, our conversation when we started talking about doing the podcast. It was just like the whole time I was listening to it, I was just thinking about uh, Kate and Christy. It was just. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love uh, that. Yes, it really was. Oh my gosh, so good. Yes. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Angie. Thank you. So so listeners, viewers, make sure to hit that pre-order button, that buy button for Jennifer's books. You know, like I said, no matter where you start, no matter what you buy from her collection of wonderful books, you will mm -hmm. not be disappointed. I honestly, honestly will say this as a reader of her books, a voracious reader of her books. I have not been disappointed with any one of them. She is such a wonderful writer. And I think today we have seen that her writing, her energy is in her writing. And that is just so beautiful to see. So thank you so much for joining us. Tune in next week for another episode, another guest, which we are also very excited to share with you. And we are the Shelf Books Podcast. We are your hosts, Kate Evangelista. Angie Sandro. Christy Berman. And please make sure to tune in again next week. Remember, keep on writing. Bye. Thank you. This <laughs> was <so> fun. <laughs> and that was another episode of the Shelved Books Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Till the next one, stay safe, read more, write more, and continue to be at your creative best. The world is waiting, and so are we.